and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast, where we tell the stories of local business owners, artists, and entrepreneurs, and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more. My name is Todd Regalinski. And I am Kimberly Regalinski. And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a magazine that helps to showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on most streaming services such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and others. You can learn more about us at keepitlocalmaine.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube through the links in the show notes. In this episode, we'll be talking with Ellen Dorr and Amanda Berry from Woodford's Family Services. Woodford's Family Services is a nonprofit organization that has served the greater Portland and larger Maine community for 55 years. Founded by five families who wanted better educational opportunities for their children with special needs, Woodford's has stayed true to its roots while growing to provide thousands of individuals and their families with compassionate support throughout their lives. Woodford's offers a variety of clinical, educational, family support, residential, and training programs to individuals with special needs. One signature program, and especially important this month, is Woodford's Therapeutic Foster Care Program, which trains foster parents and places children in foster care with loving and safe families. Every child deserves a safe and loving home, and Woodford's is committed to helping all children find their way in the world with love and support. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Weather is getting warmer and it's project planning season, which means you should call Maine Commercial Contracting, your locally owned choice for residential and commercial services in southern Maine. They'll be there for that new driveway, walkway, or excavation for your home and for your business with parking lot paving, road milling, heavy hauling, and competitive commercial pricing. So when you need your project done right and on your timeline, get a hold of the company with the appetite for excellence and the skills to see it through. Call Maine Commercial Contracting at 207-391-0540 for a free estimate or find them online at maincommercialcontracting.com. Welcome to the show, Ellen and Amanda. We are so glad to have you here today. Thank you. We're here. We're glad to be here too. So, Ellen, can you tell us what is therapeutic foster care and what's the difference between family foster care and therapeutic foster care? So, therapeutic foster care, or we call it TFC, uh, is a program at Woodford's Family Services for children and youth who are in the custody of DHHS or the Department of Health and Human Services custody. Mm -hmm. and have behavioral or mental health issues and who live in foster homes that have what is called a specialized foster care license. And each child and youth has goals and objectives which they which are developed to help them gain skills to eliminate eliminate any identified problems or issues that may be impacting them, whether it's socially or their independent living skills or interpersonal skills. That's a huge difference between family foster care and TFC or therapeutic Mm -hmm. foster care. The level of support is also a huge difference, but Mm -hmm. family foster care are kids who may not have as many issues as kids in therapeutic foster care. You have a DHHS caseworker in both therapeutic and non-treatment or foster family foster care, but you don't have the same level of support. Mm-hmm. We provide multiple services for our mm-hmm. families in therapeutic foster care. So mm-hmm. each home, each child gets a, a case manager. Mm-hmm. that really supports that child in that home, makes all the referrals, goes to the home at least twice a month and spends time with both the child and the foster parent to see how is that child doing in that home. 
We also provide uh, 24-7 on-call support. So we rotate an on-call phone between members of the team. So even if something happens after business hours or on weekends, there's always somebody Mm. there from the program to provide support to the child and the foster parent. We also have foster family support workers who will come into the home and work with that child one-on-one, whether it's in the home or in the community or a combination of. We also provide supervised visitation between the biological family and the child. I think one of the biggest pieces that we focus on here in this program is permanency for each child in the program, Mm -hmm. whether that's reunification with biological family, adoption, or permanency guardianship. We Mm -hmm. really have a strong belief that every child should be in a home where they're loved and cared for. And so that's a a huge focus for us. Mm -hmm. We have a mentoring program for new foster parents that are coming on board Besides the financial compensation, we do extensive trainings with our foster parents, and Amanda really manages that piece because as a therapeutic foster care parent, the required training, it's higher than a Mm -hmm. traditional family foster home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not only CPR and first aid, but there's a program called safety care that all our parents take, which is a de-escalation kind of behavior management training. And we also do, it's called trust-based relational intervention. And that's an evidence-based model that we, all of our foster parents are in the process of taking and all of the staff take also. So we are Mm -hmm. all on the same page on to how we work with children. That's great. We provide our foster parents with respite. We do quarterly meetings and uh, monthly support groups. We try our best to do meet and greets with the children Mm -hmm. before the child gets placed. So that way Mm -hmm. the family can um, see if it's a good fit for their family dynamic before Mm -hmm. they actually, you know, have to commit to a a potential long-term placement. Mm -hmm. Right. So we wanted to bring awareness to this, too, because May is National Foster Care Month. So this is really a big month to bring awareness to the need for foster care, isn't it? Yes. yes. And it's it's also something we call it not only Foster Care Awareness Month, but we call it Foster Parent Appreciation Month. I mean, I yeah. think we show yeah. appreciation all year round, but the month of May is it's a big deal in our program. You know, we do a lot around, we used to, before COVID, we would take our families out to a restaurant for them to get a a night out with other foster parents, minus kids, and just have a nice meal. And and recently uh, we've been delivering meals and, you know, we just, we do a lot of like fun stuff for them. And I know the Mm -hmm. foster parents really appreciate it. Like I said, we like to get the word out. We want to mm-hmm. always thank our foster parents because it's hard work and mm-hmm. they hang in there and yeah. are pretty amazing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that, that support piece, I think, is is so huge because, I mean, it, being a parent right off the bat is is a huge responsibility. But mm-hmm. being a parent you know, for for a child who has obviously had to go through some stuff and is is coming into your home is all is then just like another level and then when you're talking about a child who has who has some different needs and things like that i mean the the fact that all this support is just so great because it's so necessary in order to to set those parents up for success mm. and the child as well exactly right. i mean it, it 
we don't provide them, I feel if we don't provide the support that's needed, then there's a great chance that a child could end up disrupting from that placement. And we really try, and that's part of that placement, pre-placement work, is really trying to find that match so that we can avoid children bouncing from home to home. That's mm-hmm. a huge piece to the work too that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're really good at it because the majority of our foster parents do end up adopting. That's um, great. Which is a good thing, but then yeah. a lot of times we'll lose that home. So we're always recruiting yeah. for new homes. And that's Amanda's, that's the work she does. And I think the level of support that is needed is a lot of our mm-hmm. times our children are coming from hospital beds or residential facilities, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. that is like the highest level of care that they can get. And so coming down from that level of care, they need that high level of support in the home to make sure that they're successful in a home setting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think we can all take for granted sometimes just the fact that we go home and that is our home and, and it's, it's there for us and we know it's there for us. Whereas for a lot of these kids, you know, home is not necess- is, is a concept they might not be as familiar with in the recent past, you know, and I think that is, is a tremendous thing that you're, you're doing, trying to provide that mm-hmm. home and that stability mm-hmm. that a lot of us get to take for granted. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I think, you know, it's huge because we're trying to teach the children how to be in homes where, you know, there is stability, there is routine, there is mm-hmm. structure. And, and for some children, that's hard to get used to um, mm-hmm. because they might've come from a very chaotic home environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the children who are in therapeutic foster care and, and also the foster care parents? Amanda, do you want to take on the children? Sure. So the children in our foster care program range anywhere from the age three to 21, and they are all in the custody of Department of Health and Human Services, DHS. They've been removed from their you know, original home. This could be because of some sort of abuse or neglect. Uh, many of our therapeutic foster care have some sort of um, special needs that can range from like moderate to severe. It could be mental health issues, um, developmental disabilities or intellectual disabilities like autism. They may have some behavioral problems. And so they require a higher level of support and supervision and care. And our um, therapeutic foster parents come from a variety of backgrounds. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of myths around foster parents. There's like this myth that you have to be married and you have to own a home and you have to be well off financially. Mm -hmm. And that is just not true. You can be single, married, partnered. You can own a home. You can rent a home. You do need Mm -hmm. to have reliable income. You cannot rely on foster care income um, Mm -hmm. to sustain yourself. But you know, our foster parents come from so many different backgrounds and we just really love our foster homes that just have all the love in the world mm. to give to our kids mm-hmm. and just have a safe and stable home to give mm. them. Mm-hmm. So what are the qualifications? You know, I know you said steady income. What qualifications do you need to become a foster parent and what do you think makes a good foster parent? 
So I can start with that question. Um, you have to be at least 21 years and of mm-hmm. age, and you have to be in good physical and mental health. We hope <laughs> that they're becoming a foster parent because they like working with children, and they have to be able to have like a valid driver's license. They have to have like an inspected and insured vehicle. Mm-hmm. To be a therapeutic foster parent, they need to have at least one year as a family foster home or had six months of working with children or youth with moderate to severe disabilities, like either as their their job or their volunteering, or they could be a teacher working in the special ed department. They have to be willing to work with biological parents or depending on why they're becoming a foster parent with adoptive parents, they have to be like willing to work with DHS and foster parents just have to be respectful of the different religious and cultural backgrounds that these children might Mm -hmm. have previous Mm -hmm. to living in their home. Mm -hmm. Did I hit everything, Ellen? What makes a good foster parent in my mind, it's someone who really loves working with children Mm. and has compassion is nurturing, is able to be part of a team because we really Mm -hmm. use a team approach around each child. Someone who's willing to learn new things. There's just so many trainings that we offer our foster parents. And I think one of the biggest things is have a sense of humor. Um, You have to be able to laugh at things because it's hard work and, you know, things don't always go the way you think they're going to go on a, on a case, but we use a lot of humor here the survival skill yes i think being a parent you need humor being you know anyone being a parent needs humor it it is a survival survival skill yeah (laughs) yeah and i think that i think that idea of it's a collaborative effort you have to you have to know that there's going to be other people with input there's going to be other people there to help and and you have to learn to listen and also to kind of lean on people at the same time. Yeah. And that makes a huge difference. I'm sure just as just having that support, knowing that there's those people that you can lean on and that those people that you can go to and ask questions and things like that. So one of the, one of the next questions I would have is what are the requirements for becoming a therapeutic foster home? Is there something special about the home itself that, that you have to do or that there's requirements specifically about like the living area? It, well, I think part of it is the experience, you know, having that one year experience being a licensed family foster home or having that six months experience working with children, you know, whether it's at a school in a school setting or We've had nurses become therapeutic foster care parents, BHPs, ed techs, having that that experience working professionally with children. But the other big piece is the level of training uh, mm-hmm. is, is different. So for the if it's a single parent, you're required to do 36 hours of training within a two-year period. Um, and if it's a couple, the primary parent has to do 24 hours of training and the secondary parent would do 12 hours, and that's within a two-year period. But there's so many other trainings that we ask them to do um, mm-hmm. that may not be something, you know, like TBRI is a 24-hour training. Safety care is about 12 hours. And those are things that we are requiring our foster parents to take. And it, it just, just makes such a difference in how foster parents work with, with our kids. Mm. And those and those trainings, that's like 24 hours total. It's not like a 24 hour training. Yeah, it's divvied yeah. up, so right? Like, we have one coming up and it's every Thursday in the month of May. 
Right. Okay. So we try, uh, and we try to work around foster parent schedules. And then we also have online trainings that they can do, you know, oh. anytime at home. So that's also been beneficial, I think, to mm. our parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. that's super helpful. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of had an inkling that was the case, but I just wanted to make sure to clarify for anyone who was having the immediate thoughts that I was listening. <laughs> 24 hours nonstop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's foster parenting. It's, it's not like the, it's not Marine boot camp. No. So. <laughs> no. Although I'm sure at times they feel. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's any parent. There's any, any, any parent. Sure. I mean, yeah. anyone who's been through like the first, you know, year or so of a child, just not sleeping I think is at that <laughs> yeah, point like for this, sure. this right. is what boot camp is like when they keep you awake for like four days straight yeah pretty oh, much okay yeah so can you tell us you know how does a person start the process if they said okay we want to look at becoming a foster parent what's the first step call Amanda If they want to become a therapeutic foster parent, they would call me and I would talk to them to see if they meet the requirements and send them an application and a bunch of information about our program. I might send them a link to go to a informational session, which is held monthly, um, Mm -hmm. so they can get a really generalized idea what it means to become a foster parent, especially if they haven't become like been a foster parent before. And Mm -hmm. then I would work with them to um, do their home study. Mm-hmm. And that's how you kind of begin the process. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's surprising. I mean, it's, it's surprisingly straightforward. I mean, I don't want to say surprisingly, but it, it is pretty straightforward. And I think because we're helping them every step of the way through the licensing process, it just takes a lot of pressure off or stress off of them. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's the difference between working with an agency versus just working with the department. Like we'll, we'll do every, as much as we can for them to get them licensed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. To become licensed, you do need to go through an initial 24 hour, uh, not, (laughs) (laughs) not at the same time, but a 24 hour um, foster parent training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm to become licensed as a foster home. So that is also required, but we help them and we work with them. I actually think they're online right now because of COVID. That's really convenient. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's really great how Woodford's, you know, can kind of, you know, DHHS is of course going to provide a certain amount of services, but it's, it's great how Woodford's kind of picks up where that leaves off and, and helps get the parents a little bit, closer to that goal of, of being a good foster parent of, of mm. being able to, to take on this responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and we already kind of, we already kind of covered some of the things that what, what Woodford's provides, but can you just kind of, if there's anything that maybe you're, that we didn't talk about before, are there any other services that you provide parents along with the ones that you've mentioned as foster parents? Well, if it's something that we don't do within our program, the case manager is responsible for making outside referrals. So a child may need uh, a psychological evaluation. So they would refer that to someone who does that, or Mm -hmm. they need psychiatric medication management. So they would make a referral for a psychiatrist who could do that. Or if they um, need individual therapy, that would be something that we would refer out. Mm -hmm. So we try to really look at each child very individually and what are the needs that need to be met. And Mm -hmm. then 
it's always about the team. And, mm-hmm. and when children are able to, they're also part of that team. Mm-hmm. They can have say in, t- in regards to their treatment, depending on the age. So we really pull in outside providers whenever mm-hmm. necessary. That's great. Mm. So I just want to clarify. So when Ellen says the team, she means that um, we try to have regular team meetings, treat- mm-hmm. treatment team meetings with the, the children that we work in. So those would include children that are developmentally appropriate to be a part of it. Foster mm-hmm. parents, biological parents might be a part of it. DHS workers, guardian at items therapists, outside providers. Um, it really gives an, a, a wraparound feel mm. like everyone is included. Everyone mm-hmm. knows what's going on um, and everyone has a say about mm. the future of this child. And so when she talks about the team, that's really what the team is. And to include Ellen and me and we know what's going on with the cases and we provide support to the caseworkers as much as possible as needed. Mm. But that's what she talks about the team. That's all we're about is making sure that the whole team knows what's going on. Yeah, that's great. And it's it's going to be empowering to the team too, because you're giving people a voice. So you're giving every person that voice. So that's going to be really empowering and encouraging, I would, I would assume. Well, and I think too, for us, for our foster parents, they're doing the day in and day out work every mm-hmm. day with this child mm. and their voice needs to be heard. And mm-hmm. I think within this program, that's what happens. I mean, they are the program. You know, mm-hmm. I tell I tell our foster parents all the time, if you have a great idea, come and tell me because, you know, this is your program, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so for them to have a voice or learn to have a voice mm-hmm. is, is just so important for us. Um, yeah. Because we have foster parents who come in who, you know, don't have that much experience and, you know, learn to advocate mm-hmm for their ch- the child in their home, children in their home, and for themselves. And, that's great. and that's, you know, I can't tell you when that takes place, how exciting it is mm. for us to see that growth. And that goes kind of goes into my next question. So we always like to ask this question, and I'm going to ask it a little differently today because there's so many different answers. But I want to ask each of you, first of all, thank you for what you do. What you do is absolutely amazing work. Um, and so I, I just want to say thank you. But in your line of profession and in your work, each of you, you know, how would you look at defining success, whether it's, you know, on a, on a daily basis or just in general, how did, what does success look like for you in that position? I think it is very individualized in regards to the child. But for me, a big part of it is having that child in a stable, loving home Mm. and then finding permanency. Mm. Permanency for me is the ultimate goal for every mm-hmm. one of these children. And again, whether it's reunification with family or adoption, you know, or permanency guardianship, that's the success for me. It's mm, great. How about you, Amanda? I think it's really cool when a child is in a safe and stable home to see the amount of progress they make mm. is overwhelmingly amazing. Um mm. you can have a child who doesn't know anything, doesn't know how to brush their teeth, tie their shoes take a shower successfully. And once they're in a, you know, structured kind of home setting that is just safe and secure and loving, they can make so many great improvements in their life and become so independent. And I just love to see that. And I Mm -hmm. love seeing our foster parents who foster a child and that child finds, you know, another home to adopt them. 
and that foster mm-hmm. parent stays in contact and mm-hmm. becomes a support for that adoptive parent. I love hearing those kind of stories because it's about like community and a child needs a village mm-hmm. and that village has many people in it. And so I, I just love hearing those stories of foster parents staying in contact with previous foster children and supporting those adoptive placements. It's just amazing to me. That's great. Yeah. Another question that we like to ask because we are inspiration junkies is uh, <laughs> yes. is who or what inspires you? For me, it's it's the children mm. because they're resilient. Mm. And again, I a lot of what Amanda said, I totally agree with. It's their resiliency that and that they they open themselves up to mm. learn how to trust an adult again. Mm. Um, that's powerful to see that. And our foster parents, because they're in there every day doing this work. It's like, how can we complain? You know, they have the hardest job of all. So Mm -hmm. it's like, they inspire me. And I know they Mm -hmm. inspire a lot of our team. Mm -hmm. You took my answer, Ellen. I was going to say, (laughs) I was going to say foster parents. Those are the people that inspire me seeing people who just have so much love and care and they could be retired and they could be grandparents, but they're running around with their kids and they're making sure their needs are met. They're bringing them to so many appointments and they're just making sure that whatever this child needs, they get. And I just love seeing the heart of foster parents. And it is a really tough job. I used to work at a school setting in a behavioral classroom and it'd be like taking one of those kids and leaving them 24 seven a day. And especially through COVID when those parents didn't imagine themselves having to homeschool and Mm. then they had to homeschool children. That Mm -hmm. was amazing. They they didn't even like skip a step. They just did Mm -hmm. it because it needed to be done as a parent. Mm. Yeah. And I agree with all that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both very much for being part of the show. As as uh, I'm not sure uh, Kim has told you this before, but we uh, we were actually foster parents for a period of time. And I would oh, just tell wow. anybody out there who, if you're even vaguely interested in this, find out more. Mm. There, there is no... You know, there's no harm in getting more information. If you even have an inkling that you might be interested in doing this, find out more. Mm. Because yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's a lot of time. But I would not change. Uh, I would make. So, I would change some of the decisions <laughs> because you. you <laughs> there's always times you're like, I could have done that better. I would not change having been a foster parent. Mm. Wouldn't. wouldn't Going to make me cry. Wouldn't give it up. <laughs> Um, so if you, if, if you even have an inkling that that's something you want to do, be sure to, to reach out to Woodford's and, mm. and find out more about doing that. There's no harm in information. So thank you very much yes, for, for what you, so you, much for what what you, you all do. do every day and for the services you provide and the, and the support you provide parents and the, and the children. Uh, thank you for talking with us and sharing about this for foster care month. Um, and I will make sure that there's, uh, your contact information is in the show notes, website, phone numbers. All of that will be in the show notes. Uh, so thank you very much, yes. uh, Ellen and Amanda. We really appreciate your time and everything yes. you do. Thank you so much. And thank you for letting us, you know, come on and talk about foster care. And getting the word out is so important. So thank you. For sure. Yes, thank pleasure. you so thank much. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor and encourage you to check them out through the link in the show notes. And thank you again for listening. <laughs>